Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. And I head to Rosenberg and Robert. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Hey, Mr. Dutton. Um, I've got. I don't know what this what this part is called, but it's it's the the window at the front door on the inside. My dog has nibbled on the corner of that wooden kind of ledge that kind of sticks out right there. Uh-huh. Kind of like a shelf type of, uh, you know. Like a little door. windowsill. I, I don't know what you – right, I guess a windowsill, uh, if that's what you call it. I, I, I need to replace that. Um, or I'm not sure how to go about the, you know, the best solution if, if they can be patched or how you would go about taking that out, all of it, and then putting a – seems like a custom piece, I would say. I'm not familiar how to go about switching that out. And it is made out of wood, right? Yes. Okay. If it is the windowsill, like I'm thinking, uh, literally that's just going to be a, a piece of wood that's cut to fit in between the uh, edges of the window. And it comes out and typically has kind of a, a beveled edge on the front of it. Right. And it's just a piece of wood that you can literally knock up with a hammer, take it out, and cut a new piece to put in. Okay, so I seem to measure. I guess I can pull it out and then bring it into some some shop and get the right sizing and then get, get it replaced. Yeah, it's it's usually going to be made out of like a one by six. Okay. And and then uh, you may have to use a router to bevel the edges the way it needs to be, but then it's just a matter of cutting it to fit into the opening. And and you know since it's just kind of chewed up a little bit, you can probably take that piece out and just use it as a template to cut another one like it. Exactly. Okay. All right. I didn't know how hard or easy it would be to, to take it out or to put another one in. Nah, they're, they're pretty easy. It's just nailed into place. Okay. Well, sounds good. You, hey, you take care much. and have a Merry Christmas. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Let's head to uh, Alvin and Debbie. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. I have cultured marble in the bathroom or some uh-huh. type of material like that. The the cleaning agent that has been used on it has taken away the luster. And yep. I would really like your recommendations to restore that luster. I have tried the pink gel gloss and a, a buffer on a drill trying to restore the shine and it has not worked. Do you have any suggestions? I do, as long as you don't laugh at me. Okay. <laughs> go get you some Besides turtle paste wax. It. <laughs> <laughs> no, go go to the automotive and get some uh, turtle paste wax. Okay. And wax it. And that buffer you used can be used for for. Uh, you know, buffing it out into a gloss again. But uh, the turtle paste wax, not only does it give it a gloss, but it'll put protection on it. Now, it's something you'll end up doing periodically, just just like you would a car. But uh, it's it's a, typically a small enough area. It's not that big a deal, but it does make it look good again. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. From Becky and Hardin, and she says, uh, I, Whirly Bird, 
roof vents. I read your article on roof vents. Now my question is, during extreme cold weather with wind blowing, will vent covers help keep your house warmer or keep them uncovered? There are three on our house, one over the garage, one over the living room, and one over the bedroom. Uh, keep them uncovered. You don't want to cover it up because if you do, you start building humidity in the attic. And that will uh, start destroying your insulation or make it uh, not work as well, which, hey, that's going to actually cost you more money on your heating and cooling. So leave the vents open. You'll be much happier and much more energy efficient that way. This one is from uh, North Richlands Hills, and this is from Gary. And like I say, they both came in yesterday. Uh, this one, what do you think of polyurethane injection as a substitute for interior pilings? How do prices compare? Does your company offer this method? Well, first of all, I, ha I do have a polyurethane truck. So yes, we do offer polyurethane, but I don't do homes with it. I'll do your driveway, your sidewalks, your patio, all that kind of stuff but not a slab foundation that's residential. And here's why. If you think about what caused foundation problems, when the soils dry out, they shrink. When they get wet, they expand again, but not quite as much as they were the time before. So going through a period of years, we get settlement, sheetrock cracks, brick veneer cracks, all that kind of stuff. Well, if you put polyurethane underneath there, you're putting it right back on the moving soils. So when the soils dry out, it's going to sink again. If the soils are already shrunk and you do you inject, and then we start getting moisture, it's going to raise it higher than what it is currently. Either way, it's still moving and still causing sheetrock damage and door misalignments and things like that. So it's not a good alternative for slab repair on residential foundations. If you're doing a big warehouse, um, you know, big metal building, something like that, where you don't have the sheetrock above it, above the foundation, then you're fine because there's not something that's going to show the, the movement. But when, you know, when a, a foundation is poured, it's got an expectation that it's going to stay there. All the framework, the sheetrock, and everything we put for finishes they don't take the movement. So if you've got movement like that, that you need interior piers, put the interior piers. Otherwise, you'll be chasing this forever. It, it, it's a, it's a never-ending battle. Uh, so my two cents on it. And as far as the how does the price compare, the urethane definitely is less expensive. I, I will not argue with you on that at all. In most cases, it depends on how far out of level you are. Urethane itself is actually very expensive, but check out your warranties. You typically don't get much of a warranty with ureth urethane. Uh, with peers, you get a better warranty. And now, nowadays, some of the warranties are service contracts. In fact, a lot more service contracts than than used to be. But nonetheless, your your long term finish is going to be better going with peers. Joe in Dallas sent in one saying, uh, Sir, I will be replacing my roof very soon. I'm wondering what to do about the ventilation. Currently have two gable vents and two 
wind turbines. I also have 6x8 soffit vents about 6 to 8 feet apart around the house. I'm thinking of removing the turbines. As I've heard, they don't really do much good. I have heard having more than one ventilation type makes for conflicting airflows. Should I have ridge vents installed and close off the gable vents and remove the turbines? Uh, tech shield on decking and leave the venting alone or something else. Thinking or thanking you in advance for your consideration, Joe. Well, Joe, uh, uh, typically, yes, if you're going to have multiple uh, exit venting, it becomes an issue. Uh, and in, as an example, if you put ridge vents on that house right now and, and you leave the gable vents open, path of least resistance is air is going to come from the gable vents and go out the ridge vent. Your soffits won't matter. So if you're going to put ridge vents, you'd want to close up the soffit vents. Now, depending on the direction the house faces and how big these uh, gable vents are, you may want to just leave the gable vents and increase your soffit vents. And rule of thumb is for every 150 square foot of attic, or attic space you have, you need one square foot of attic ventilation. And, uh, you know, split it between the soffits and the whatever exit system that you're using. Uh, gable vents actually do work very well, especially if you have lots of soffit to go with it. And, and the reason the direction uh, that they're facing makes a big difference is, you know, if you, if you got it in a direction that the prevailing wind typically comes from, that helps taking air in and, you know, controlling the temperatures in the attic better. Uh, so... It, I would get rid of the whirly birds in in the situation you're in. I would increase the number of soffit vents. I would, you know, if they're six to eight feet apart, at minimum I'd put one in between, if not two, in between each one. And uh, you know, depending on the size of the house, you can go with the gable vents or close those up and put a ridge vent. So uh, if it was me, I'd probably leave the gable vents at this point and just increase my soffit fence and do away with the whirly bird. Sandy in East Houston, how can I help you? Hi, yes, sir, Mr. Dutton. I was calling because I wanted your advice. I have original wood flooring in a home, and I'd like to know what kind of flooring I can install on top of that that would be the less corrosive or damage to the wood floor. What do you recommend? A floating floor. A floating floor, okay. Yeah, because then you don't have to nail it down you don't have to no glue nothing that's going to really mess up the floor uh and and in particular if you look for one that uh can have a moisture barrier under it mm -hmm. uh that'll give a cushion between the two floors and uh you know that that that'll help protect the floor is it on a concrete slab or, or is it a crawl space it is on a slab okay uh, so what the moisture barrier would do then is uh, keep any moisture that does try to come through the concrete from coming up to the new floor. But I'm going to tell you up front, that could harm the existing floor simply because it could keep the moisture on that wood underneath it. So in, in the in, being it's on a slab, you may want to just look for one that goes on top without a barrier under it. Got it. Okay. Uh, if, if you go buy floor and decor, 
they'll have a, a ton of choices for you. Some some recommend a, a barrier and some don't. Okay, got it. Well, great. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. You, you bet. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. And you definitely have to read the instructions. Uh, it's not just what the salespeople tell you because I was installing one and uh, the salespeople recommended putting a barrier under it. And as uh, I was getting going, it just wasn't clicking together like it should. And when I went back and looked at the instructions on it, uh, it, it says no barrier under it. In fact, if you put a barrier under it, you void the warranty. So you definitely want to take a look at the instructions for what you're installing and how they're telling you to put it in. From Michael in Oak Point, and he's asking about attic tent. My HVAC company is suggesting an attic tent to cover and insulate the attic stairs with an attic tent over the opening. I'd never heard of one. I did some research, and it is a thing. Do you recommend them? Well, uh, there's an easier way to do it. The attic tents work. Uh, basically, what their job is... You know, really a pull-down staircase has no insulation on it, so it's just an opening to let your uh, cool air from the air conditioner or warm air from the heater escape up into the attic. Well, in the summer months, it's really not our cool air going out that's a big problem. It's the heat that's dropping in from the attic through the pull-down staircase into the living space, so now you're heating and cooling more. What the attic vent does is basically build a buffer between the attic and the living space with uh, with the help of the pull-down staircase. Now, you're set, the, the other way that you can do it, uh, rather than putting an attic tent, because they get quite a bit of money for those, and uh, AC companies like to sell them because it's, it's a good upcharge, but if you'll get a roll of radiant barrier that has multi-layer. Uh, I personally use the Energy Q radiant barrier. You can just cut a piece of that, lay it across the opening of the staircase. And let me tell you, when it's 105 degrees outside, I can pull my attic staircase down and feel absolutely no heat from the attic when I have that radiant barrier across the opening. The minute I slide it aside, though, oh, man, it's like just a... a heater was turned on with a fan on full blast the way the air the hot air is dropping in and hot air rises but when you open up a, a big opening like that it's going to drop in so that would give you another option and it's far less expensive than uh, just getting the attic tent uh, because all the attic tent's going to do is cover the pull down stair where if you get a roll of the radiant barrier hey, you can put that up in your attic and you're going to feel the difference in all the different rooms that you put the radiant barrier above. Take a look at the one I use. And I've been using uh, Energy Q radiant barrier for, well, January will be 20 years. So you can take a look at that one. You can call Energy Q at 1-800-900-6220 or go to our website, thipro.com. And you'll find a link there for Energy Q Radiant Barrier. We're going to head to Deer Park. Pete, welcome to 740 KTRH. How can I help you? Uh, good morning, or afternoon, actually. Yeah, I've got a, uh, a dual basin sink in the house that we have, and it's 
uh, both sides drain down. They both have a P-trap and, you know, common drain line. The right side of the garbage disposal drains fine, no issues. But the left side, just for whatever reason, will back up and not drain. There's no blockage or anything. It's just like a, an air obstruction for, you know, or an air bubble for as much as I can figure. But I can't figure out what to do to get that left side to drain properly. Okay, and, and it's got a gar- garbage disposal on the right? Correct. The garbage disposal side drains fine. The left side, the, the static side, if you will, uh, will just back up every now and then. Not all the time, but sometimes it'll just be real slow to drain. And then sure. once it does, it, it's fine. But then again, it, it seems like uh, something causes it to not drain. Does that side go over and hook into the garbage disposal? No, it doesn't. It's independent. They both sides comes both sides come down into their own P trap, and then it they connect into a Y that then drains out. Ah, oh, okay. Well, that's unusual because uh, most yeah. of the time <laughs> they, they it just comes across into the garbage disposal, and what can happen is uh, the garbage disposal runs and it'll shove some stuff into the the other side there a little bit, and then after it flows out, it'll start flowing again. Um, right. So that kind of eliminates that the the way you just, it's hooked up, but something has got to yeah, be getting like in it. there that's p- doing a, a partial blockage every now and then, and then once enough flows through, it opens it up again. So, um, truthfully, that's what I would try. Confused. What, what, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but what's got me confused is I've, I've been there when it's backed up, and right. I pulled the P trap right then. There's no obstruction. I've take it apart at the Y where I can see down through the drain pipe. And when the left side's not draining, the right side drains fine. And I've taken it apart, and there's no obstruction in there, no no, no physical obstruction at all. It's almost like it's it's a, 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 a vapor lock. an air issue. Yeah. yeah, vapor lock. I'm sorry, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, and, so and it very well could be. I should... I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you that's all right maybe i should tie them both into a common p-trap and eliminate the dual p-traps or yeah and and, and yes because typically like i said it should go into the garbage disposal and then out from the garbage disposal and uh okay you know that would pretty much eliminate most of the issues but it does sound like it's vapor locking um and the 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 vent for the sink should take care of that. But here's what I'm wondering is if the sink's not properly vented, it vapor locks a little bit. Once it the bubble breaks, then it's flowing again. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, hopefully... why it would be on the one side but not the other. Would that be related to the garbage disposal itself? Yes, because if the garbage disposal is running, it does put a little bit of pressure on it to push through. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, well, I'll try just running that left side over, uh, tying into the side with the garbage disposal, and see if that helps it out. Alrighty. Well, sir, you uh, have a, a Merry Christmas and uh, have a great afternoon. Merry Christmas. Bye bye. Yeah, and and normally when the way a garbage disposal is hooked up, typically the side without the disposal doesn't even have a uh, P-trap on it. It just comes straight over and dumps straight into the garbage disposal. So both sides go through the disposal and then out. This comes from Steve in Houston. Hi, Jim. We have a sh- sewer smell in the master bathroom, bedroom rather, on the second floor that we can't eliminate. We had plumbers come out to check P-traps. 
and other basic troubleshooting, but it hasn't solved the problem. It makes me wonder if we have a cracked pipe or a bigger issue. This is the only bathroom in the house that has an issue. Thanks, Steve. Well, <clears throat> you know, it's not uncommon when we get northern, the wind coming in from the north, that we get calls as far as that sewer gas smell. And it has to do with the air flows and, and uh, blowing down the pipes and everything. But if you're getting that all the time, no, you've got a bigger issue taking place. And uh, if you're already checking the P-traps, you're, you're headed down the right road. Um, especially if a P-trap goes dry, hey, it's going to let sewer gas in. Uh, so the first thing to check is sinks and showers and stuff like that that's maybe not used on a regular basis. But I'm going to make the assumption that a plumber did that. So if that didn't turn anything up, you could have, like you were asking about, a cracked pipe. Now, that's a little more difficult to find if you have that issue. And I, I wish I knew the age of the home because that would help me as far as is it PVC or cast iron plumbing. But regardless, to find a cracked pipe that's in a vent pipe or above the P-traps is done with a smoke test. Now, a smoke test is very similar to doing a static test where you fill the whole system with water and see if it holds. Instead of filling with water, though, you're filling it with smoke. Because, like I said, this is typically above where you'd fill with water. And that would show if there's any breaks or cracks or leaks in the pipe. Uh, where the smoke is coming out then starts narrowing down where you got to go through the wall to fix the issue. So, yes, it can be done. The smoke tests, they are a little bit more complicated to, to do than a static test. But, yes, it definitely can be done. And I hate to tell you this, but it kind of sounds like that may be what you need to get done in order to find this problem if the plumbers have already eliminated the other things. It could be like wax rings on the toilets, um, P-traps that, like you already brought up, are leaking and going dry. Uh, one other place that you maybe want to take a look at is if the AC system is draining into a bathroom sink in the master bathroom. That can allow bacteria and stuff to form in that sink, which can give off that sewer gas smell, even though it's not sewer gas. It's just from the bacteria that are growing in the drain, sometimes from an AC draining into it but um, I'm, again I'm making the assumption that the plumbers already eliminated all those things but I hate to say this they don't always look for the obvious like that so but those are the items I would start taking a look at hey now yeah. the question I have for you is I've got some old uh, 1990 homes with post tension cable foundation uh -huh. um, you know and, and some of the end caps have popped off and the cable's protruding out of the foundation itself. Is that an issue? Is that something I need to worry about, have fixed, or, or what, what's going on there? It is actually something that does need to be fixed, and uh, I got that music means I need to take a quick break. I'm going to put you on hold, and I'll come right back to you. Uh, we were talking with Brian and the cups, and that's really that's what they use is a cup uh, that covers the post-tension cables has popped loose, and 
Brian, had they been off for a long time where it looks like that cable is all rusted up already? No, it's a short period of time, Jim. Okay. Uh, here's the, the, the reason for the concrete to be in there to cover them up is when moisture gets onto them, those cables and those keyways that hold the cable will start to rust, and it lets loose, and that cable will actually spring out and get sucked into the concrete and have to be restrung. So, yeah, you'll want to clean it up. Put a, uh, a uh, material in there to a rust inhibitor on there to keep it from rusting real bad. And then just cover the hole back up with a concrete or a mortar mix uh, in order to keep the rain and such off of it. Perfect. Not a serious issue or a serious fix. Nope. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, that. As lo- yeah, as long as you don't let it go for years, you're fine. But, you know, if it goes for a few months, no big deal. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 